Hello, Fusation. My name is Alex Fuse, the host of Fusion News, and we have another big show for you right now. I'm on the phone with MLB Pipeline writer, Mr. Jim Callis. So, Jim, it's been a great year for MLB prospects at the level, but there's one player that's been sticking out most in the last two weeks, and that Arcides Aquino. And you wrote an article yesterday about possibly who else could be in the minor league system right now that could possibly in the next two to three years come up and make a huge impact this late into the season like right now? Yeah, we, we were trying to look at guys like Aquino who, who hadn't had a history of hitting in the minor leagues but, but still had some, some tools. You know, Aquino was a guy who you know, had a big year in 2016 and then really did nothing in double-A for two years, hit for some power but hit 227. Reds took him off their 40-man roster, non-tendered him, signed him to a minor league contract. And, you know, obviously, you know, this year he got off the great start AAA. They're using MLE balls in AAA, so you have to kind of take those numbers with a grain of salt with a lot of guys this year. But then he comes up to the big leagues after the Osceola Plea trade, and he hits eight home runs in his first 12 games, so which had never been done before. So we kind of had some fun and, and looked at some guys who, who were kind of similar profiles, maybe hadn't hit for average but had a chance to, to maybe make an impact in the big leagues. And, you know, we, we listed 10 guys, you know, a couple of my favorites on that list. You know, Bobby Dahlbeck of the Red Sox, I don't know if he's ever going to hit for a high average. Um, and he only hit 234 in AA this year, but he, he keeps hitting home runs, keeps playing really good third base. Uh, he draws a lot of walks. He's reducing his strikeout rate, and he's blocked by Raphael Devers, uh, who's probably the hottest hitter, you know, in the American League right now. But he's pretty talented. You know, there, there's a catcher who's up with the Tigers right now, Jake Rogers, who, who never really hit college, hasn't really hit much since he got traded by the Astros in the Justin Verlander trade. But he's just an outstanding defender with a, with a cannon arm. He's got some raw power. I think if he just hits a little bit, he could be a, a regular. And if he doesn't hit, I think he could be Jeff Mathis maybe with more power. And that third guy I mentioned off that list, one of my favorite guys in this year's draft, but kind of hard to figure out, was Cameron Meisner, um, who had the best all-around tools in, in college baseball this year. But he hit just 222, and he struck out a bunch in SEC play. Um, and he's going to have to you know, get a little bit more consistent at the plate, obviously. But he's a center fielder with 30-30 upside. So it was kind of a, an interesting article trying to identify, hey, who, could the, who might be the next guy who, who could be, you know, maybe not hit eight home runs in the first 12 games, Alex, but be the next uh, Aristides Aquino, who you know, maybe didn't put up you know, high minor league batting averages, but could be an interesting big league player. You know, another player that's really sticking out to me in AAA is Gavin Lux of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's hitting 434, 11 home runs. And this is a guy that, again, this Dodgers team seems like everyone can hit on this Dodgers team. So where do you see Gavin Lux? Do we see him making an impact if he gets to call up in September? Or is he just going to make an impact in 2020 going forward? You know, that's a great question. I mean, he, he's been, you know, there's a lot of guys putting up big triple A numbers. There are a lot of guys hitting 434, um, like he has for over a month. He's only 21 years old. Um, you know, I, I think that's, a, that, that's going to be an interesting question. I mean, this guy, yeah, he was first round pick, got a little bit of a slow start in, in pro ball, and then kind of toward the end of 2017 since, he, he's just done a ton of damage at the plate. And, you know, the question is with the Dodgers, you know, I, I think that they're they're hands down the favorites to advance in the National League right now, and then they're they're up by twenty games almost on the Diamondbacks. I mean, they haven't literally clinched, but they virtually clinched a, a playoff spot. Um, to me, you know, I, I know they move guys around to different positions. If it were me, you know, and, you know, Kike Hernandez, I guess, has been the regular second base. He's been he's hurt right now. I would I would play Gavin Lux every day at second base and bring him up to the big leagues. I think he's 
that that would be their best defensive lineup, and I don't think you'd be giving up anything offensively. Um, you know, but we'll, we'll see. You know, sometimes you have teams that are that are going good, like the Dodgers are. They don't want to make significant changes going down the stretch, but I, I just think Gavin Lux. You know, especially given the, the position flexibility of guys like Chris Taylor and Enrique Hernandez who are hurt. If you put Gavin Lutz at second, you, you could move those guys around as you saw fit. I would get him up in the big leagues now and see what he could do, to be quite honest. You talk about the Dodgers in the National League, but we have to talk about the Yankees in the American League, another powerhouse team. Where has Gio Urshela and Mike Talkman been? Their whole, the, I mean, and were you are you surprised seeing how successful these two players are really helping out the Yankees as they call it next man up mentality? Yeah, I don't think you could have necessarily seen that coming with either of those guys. I mean, they were both on the on the radar. I mean, their I mean, guy was like a top prospect, but they weren't guys. I mean, they, they made some top thirty organizational lists. You know, when we're doing prospects versus you know lists. You know, Ursula well, was a guy in the Indian system who, you know, was a good defender at third. Um, I, I think there's a lot of questions to how much power you have. And, and again, I mean, power has exploded with a lot of guys, with, with the baseballs they're using in MLB. But, you know, I mean, credit to him. I mean, he's hitting 340. I, I, nobody saw this guy ever hitting, you know, close to 340 with 18 homers in 100 games. I mean, I, I think if you projected him out based on his minor league career, you're probably talking about, you know, maybe – you know, realistic ceiling would be a 260, 15 home run guy. You know, like I said, he could play, he, he could play defense. That was kind of his ticket. Um, but, you know, nobody saw that kind of season coming. And the same thing with, with Tockman. Uh, you know, I was a little bit more familiar with him just from doing draft stuff. Uh, I'm based in Illinois. He was a guy who, who had a good year at Bradley. You know, when he came out of the draft, he, he was a senior sign, but he had a really nice year at Bradley. And he could hit a little bit, but you kind of wondered, okay, you know, how good are the rest of the tools? Uh, you know, really with him. And, you know, but, you know, he came up through the Rocky system. The Rockies, outside of their double-A park, played a lot of very hitter-friendly parks. And he hit 300, but, like, that doesn't necessarily jump out at you, given the parks he was playing in. And again, I mean, I think if you were projecting Mike Talkman out, you were probably, you know, realistic ceiling would have been, like, a maybe a 270, you know, maybe... 12 home run guy, you know, he was kind of that tweener outfielder where he was more of a, a corner guy, uh, you know, because he could fill in in center, you know, he, he wasn't quite quick enough to play in center, he didn't really have the power, so he didn't project him as a regular, and again, uh, you know, if you had said, okay, this guy's going to hit 300 and slug, you know, 575, I think people would have looked at you kind of crazy, you, you maybe could have said, okay, career year, you might hit 300, but he's not going to have that kind of power, so I mean, Credit. I mean, the, the Yankees obviously have you know financial resources that, that that few teams have, and it lets them do a lot of things. But I think you have to give them credit. I mean, they do a nice job of scouting and development, and not just amateur international scouting, but pro scouting to go out and get guys like Ursula and Tockman and have them in a position where, where you need you know you need some help, and those guys provide it. Um, you know, it's just a great job of pro scouting by the Yankees. When we start looking at the MLB playoff races, and you look at the players that are below the age of 25 in the MLB, they're hitting 1,320 home runs, 4,301 RBIs, 521 stolen bases, and they're batting 
257, an on-base percentage of 324, slugging 445, and have an OPS of 769. So those are the stats for the players under the age of 25 in the MLB. Which team do you feel like that has a chance to go deep into the playoffs that really has a young team? It seems like almost every single team that has the chance to go far has that core rookie mentality roster too. And which team do you think can go the furthest this year? Well, I think the Dodgers would be my favorite to go the furthest because I think that you're going to have the Yankees and Astros bunny heads in the American League. You know, only one that could fan. So I'd say the Dodgers. And when you look at young talent, I mean, you got, it starts with Cody Bellinger, but you got Corey Seager, who's still just 25. You know, Alex Verdugo is having a real nice year in his first full season as a regular. Will Smith has taken over. They're, they're catching job and done a nice job behind the plate. You know, we talked about Gavin Lux might be up. You know, Walker Bueller. Uh, you know, it's been dominant on the mound. I mean, his stuff is just crazy good. So, I mean, I think they're the team that jumps out to me the most just in terms of overall going deep in the playoffs. And then you count. I mean, you look at the Astros. I mean, you know, it seems like Carlos Correa has been around forever. He's only 24. Bregman's 25. Jordan Alvarez has come up and been a revelation. I mean, he's just 22 years old. Um, you know, Robert Roberto Asuna, their, their closer, he's just 24. So, I mean, I think those are those, those are two teams that jump out a little bit. You know, we, we talked about the Yankees earlier. You know, I don't think they're as young as those other teams. But, you know, I mean, Glaber Torres has had an unbelievable year. He, he's just 22 years old. Um, you know, and I think he's going to continue to uh, continue to get better, too. So, you're, you're right. I mean, it, it, I, I do feel like that with, with baseball – the, 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 for young players, you know, at the amateur level, there's so many more showcases and events and, and the quality of college baseball and high school baseball and travel. Summer baseball has gotten so much better in the 30 years I've been covering this. That I just think you're seeing guys, you know, step into, you know, professional baseball and major league baseball much uh, more ready than they were, say, 20 or 30 years ago. That they, they just had a lot better experience that prepares them to than they did 25 or 30 years ago. We talked about Gavin Lux possibly getting the call up this year, and now we'll switch gears to the Atlanta Braves. Ian Anderson from upstate New York. His father was the high school baseball coach at my high school uh, during my time there. What are Ian Anderson's chances? He's at AAA right now for the Atlanta Braves. Does he have a chance to possibly make his major league debut this season, or are the Braves going to wait out for next season? Um, I think he's in position to get that chance. Um, you know, it's like a lot of guys. I mean, he dominated in double A. You know, you've seen him obviously in person. I mean, Ian Anderson's got three quality pitches and fastball curve change up. You know, since they signed him, you know, the number three overall pick in 2016, he's moved pretty quickly. He's, he's only 21. He's in triple A. You know, the key for him is control and command. And he's still, you know, very young and that's still coming. It's improved. I'd say it's, it's getting better. It's not necessarily, you know, super sharp like you'd want the major league level. Um, and like a lot of guys who've made the jumps AAA were using different balls, and it's basically the balls like using a, a rock with seams painted on it. You know, he's only made two starts, and then he struggled a little bit. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like, if it were me, I, I would call him up and give him a chance to show what he can do. I mean, I, you know, the Braves teams and our young team, you know, we could talk about young town. On the Braves, with guys like Ronald Acuna and you know Austin Riley and Ozzy Albies and Dansby Swanson and Mike Soroka, Max Freed, on and on and on, you know their rotation is not especially deep. And so to me, you know Dallas Keuchel, you know is I guess right now going to class would be their fourth starter. Mike Fulton-Nevitz would be their fifth starter, and those guys would get knocked around some. I would give Ian Anderson a chance to show what he could do down the stretch. Um, 
Yeah, maybe use him as my fourth star in the playoffs. But, but I don't know if the Braves made a determination. And it probably will determine on how much success he has adjusting to the to the Major League Baseball while he's in AAA. And, and if he can make some progress with that, I, I think they'd, they'd call him up and give him a shot. We, we may have to wait till next year on him, though. Jim, this is my favorite segment on the show. It's the Fast Five Quick Round. It's five quick questions, and you have however long as possible to answer them. So okay. my first one for you is two broadcasters you haven't worked with yet that you would like to. Huh. Well, I don't do a ton of broadcasting of games. Most of the way I do the, the specialty games uh, for for MLB Network, you know, like the Under Armour game or the Fall League games, things like that. I guess two guys, I, you know, if, if I'm thinking Bob Costas would be one. Um, yeah, I don't know that we'll ever do a game together because I don't think I'm going to be doing major league games or Bob's going to be doing amateur games. Bob Costas would be one. Um, and uh, trying to think who would be my second. You know, I mean, again, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but like I just, Al Michaels, I think he's so talented. He's more of a football guy now. I think it would be fun to do a, game, a baseball game with Al Michaels. Most underrated baseball player that you've seen in your career that just you feel like just was underrated, never really got that full on fledged like superstar that you thought. You know, the first guy who jumped to mind, like just off the top of my head, was Dwight Evans, who you know had a long successful career, but like he had a you know, he, you know his career was unusual in that you know he, he kind of didn't really find himself as a hitter until he was about twenty eight or twenty nine years old, and he. Drew a lot of walks before that was appreciated. He was a great outfielder, and he won gold gloves. But I think before defense was was fully appreciated. You know, back in his day, it was all batting average and home runs, and he always put up a lot of doubles and walks and, and played great outfield. And I think you can make a case certainly that he could be like he might have had a more productive. I think with the analytics today. You look at it, and he probably had a more productive career, all-around career, than Jim Rice, and Jim Rice is in the Hall of Fame. And Dwight Evans was a guy who I think only made two or three all-star teams, but, you know, basically from, from 1980, you know, for, for a full decade, was one of the best all-around players in the American League, and I don't know if he ever got that too. You've been doing this since 1988 and one of the best in the business at what you do. What's one player that you knew going into it that this is going to be a superstar that maybe some people doubted? guys I would have been high on. I, again, I do a lot of Red prospect stuff, and I didn't, I didn't think he was necessarily going to be a superstar, but I thought Jonathan Papelbon was underrated as a prospect. I liked him coming up, and he obviously went on to have a nice career. Um, I I mean, <laughs> this wasn't going out on a whim, but I do remember, I had somebody at Baseball America bring this up, I do remember, you know, looking back, there was a year where there was discussion, who's the number one prospect in baseball? Is, is it Bryce Harper? Is it Matt Moore or is it Mike Trout? And I and I did I think I pounded the table for Mike Trout, not necessarily in, on draft day, but a little earlier in his career. You know, which probably comes from doing Midwest League prospect stuff. And, and I've never heard a player talked about like Mike Trout by scouts and managers. So I was I was pounding the table for Mike Trout over Bryce Harper a little bit back in the day. Um, you know, those, those, those were two guys. I mean, I'm just trying to think. I mean, there's. Yeah, I remember, you know, I mentioned Walker Bueller, and again, I didn't necessarily think he was going to become this, because his stuff really took off after Tommy John surgery, but I remember in high school, um, when he wasn't necessarily considered signable, 
or he didn't go high enough to the draft to be signed, like Floyd Cushion to have Walker Bueller, you know, is one of the top 50 prospects in the draft of Baseball America. So those are three guys that stand out, but there's also, there's also plenty of guys who I'm sure I've touted who, who haven't panned out. So, and as my son likes to tell me as an Astros fan, Alex, I was very late on Jose Altuve. I never saw Jose Altuve coming, and he likes to remind me of that all the time. <laughs> Favorite minor league stadium? Favorite? Well, you know what? I, I'm going to have to go with uh, historic, not the park they use now, but historic Durham Bulls Athletic Park. That was, was in the movie Bull Durham. When I was in Durham with Baseball America, I, I for a while, owned a condo that was like a block or two away for, from that park. And that was kind of the first park, I, minor league park, I spent a ton of time in. I, I used to score for the Bulls my first few years at Baseball America, and the press box was actually field level behind home plate. Um, and that was just a cool part. I saw a lot of interesting players. The, the first game I ever did an official score was a perfect game, and it was an opening day doubleheader because of rain. And then uh, in the nightcap, I was four outs away from a, a no-hitter by Steve Avery. Almost had back-to-back no-hitter, but saw a lot of great players um, in that league, a lot of future big leaguers, and, and really enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of the comparisons to prospects to stars right now in the day, especially during the draft time that you do on the MLB uh, TV network coverage. What's one player now? Let's see if you can do a possible star right now in the day compared to a former star in the day. Like a, like a big leaguer? Yeah, like a big leaguer. Like a, a, a comparison to a big league star to a former big league star. I'm trying to think of uh, like a young guy. Well, I mean, this is one that, that kind of got made when he was coming up. I guess the first one jumped to Max. We were just talking about Mike Trout. And it was funny because everybody was like, ah, he's not going to get for that kind of power. That's a little bit much. But I remember Mike Trout getting Mickey Mantle comparisons um, when he was coming up for the minors. And I do remember Bill Mosiello, who's now a college coach, but was his, his coach, his manager in the Midwest League Angel system. Uh, was talking about how this guy was going to have a lot more power than people realize. That that was the knock on him in eight ball. It was like, oh, he might be a 20 home run guy. He might only be a 20 home run guy. And you know, Mike Trout, if he was a 20 home run guy, would still be an unbelievable player. But uh, I've always liked the Mike Trout Mickey Mantle comparisons, and he's lived up to them. Last question, Jimmy. This is my favorite one. I love to ask any baseball fan, a baseball reporter, or a player. If a 15 year old kid came up to you today and they told you that they don't understand baseball and it's boring, what would you say to them? you got to watch a little bit more. There's so much going on. I think the hidden game or you know, below the surface that people don't realize, I would just urge them to watch baseball, read about baseball, and I bet their opinion would change. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on my podcast today, Jim. And where can the Fuse Nation follow you on Twitter throughout all your coverage going forward the rest of the season? Yeah, it's um, I'm on Twitter at Jim Callis MLB, you know, J-I-M-C-A-L-L-I-S-M-L-B. And uh, I usually try to link to, to everything I do and most of the stuff we do at MLBPipeline.com, which is part of MLB.com. And the great thing I think about our site is everything's free. You know, all our scouting reports, all our stories, all the videos, all that stuff. None, none of it's password, you know, password protected behind a paywall, so everybody can check all that stuff out. Perfect. Thanks again, Jeff, for coming on today. Yeah, great, Alex. It was great talking to you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, Fuse Nation, just from the one and only Mr. Jim Callis. Once again, thanks, Fuse Nation, for listening. I'll be back here live on YouTube in 10 minutes with Matt Gelb and Justin Dodd. We'll be talking some New York sports with Justin Dodd, and then Matt Gelb is a Philadelphia Phillies beat writer for The Athletic. So once again, Fuse Nation, thanks for listening, and I will be seeing you very soon. Thanks for watching.